gotta be careful with like your early career takeaways, okay? Oh, oh, I have no idea where you're going. I'm excited. Bryce Young looks very slight and like not very good. Little boy. And CJ Stroud looks so, 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 so good. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson looks pretty good too. Looks like a man. That's what he looks like. Um, I mean, the possibility does exist that, that Bryce Young will be better than both of those guys. And, yeah, we've seen Justin Fields last year, despite, like, the victories not coming, like, put up incredible stat lines. So maybe, you know, the first four games of this season are not indicative that he's totally incompetent. Or maybe he just had a good week. Or maybe, Brent, as he, as he puts up an incredible stat line in the Bears' first victory of the season, 40-20, to 20, is four touchdown passes, including three of them to DJ Moore, their big offseason acquisition um, from the Panthers as part of that. Mm-hmm. First overall selection being sent out to Carolina, 230 yards as well for DJ Moore. Maybe, maybe when Justin Fields and we all made fun of him and and raked him over yeah. the coals, not, coals for, not me, just so we're clear, but yeah. yeah, but it was like, oh yeah, the 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 guy who's uh, over this season and looks incompetent is throwing the f- coaching staff under the bus and saying that there's you know essentially too many voices in his in his ear and he's he's being overcoached that he needs to just play. Like maybe there was some truth to that. Like maybe. And maybe it's not, again, like the Blue Jays and John Schneider, maybe it's not entirely one or entirely the other, and, and maybe it's it, it shouldn't be a Johnny Manziel situation where you don't know the playbook yeah. or have ever seen a second of tape. But, yeah, maybe there is, like, a guy being athletic and, and allowed to be athletic in a football game. Maybe that can actually produce results. It did yesterday. Yeah, they didn't. To my knowledge, unless I missed something, they did not have to give Justin Fields the Kyler Murray, you have to do your homework clause no. in his deal. I like, I understand still on the rookie one, but there have not been these stories of yeah. it's a Johnny Manziel situation. I am very much with Justin Fields, like that his coaches are probably gumming up the works for him. Now, that's not to say he's without blame. That's not to completely absolve him, but I can't believe I'm about to give these guys credit because, you know, quite frankly, they just have tortured me my entire adult and childhood life. But the Manning cast, mm-hmm. they did a great job. They were breaking it down, and Peyton was doing a thing where he's saying the play in the huddle, and it's one thing when your coach just gives you the call and that's that, and you get to rip it out and you're running, and it's another thing when your coach gives you the call and he's buzzing in your ear going, watch Mike Linebacker, watch this. It's like, can you please stop talking to me? Right. I am trying to do my job. I'm trying right. to talk. Can yeah. you please stop talking to me? Sometimes you and I maybe have this exact feeling go- going on. So, like, it is a thing that happens where they just did a great job breaking it down. So it is overcoaching sometimes in a sense of the big picture of not letting them be free, not letting them rain. But sometimes it is overcoaching literally in the moment of literally get out of his ear while he's trying to play quarterback. Well, for one game, at least uh, it was a Justin Fields that bears fans were hoping to see a whole lot more of this year. And maybe it's the start of something. All right. This insider is brought to you by Don Valley, North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, Charles Davis, NFL network in the NFL on CBS. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. How are you gentlemen today? Doing very well. So are we back in on Justin Fields? Like, is, it, is he everything we thought he might be this season after one game? <laughs> I think anyone who's a Bears fan who was saying, you know, we've got the number one and number two picks. If the season ends right now, let's go get ourselves a quarterback. Let's go get <laughs> Caleb Williams. Right now you're saying, well, maybe we take those two picks and build around Justin Fields. You know how it is. It's going to be a roller coaster. And it has been. It's going to continue to be until the season is over. But I have to say, I am very happy for Justin Fields for this reason. He kind of went out there 
do we say it's on a limb in these days? Probably not because athletes are allowed to speak out. Right. You know, when I was younger, if Justin Fields had come out and questioned the play calling and what management was doing and all that, oh my goodness, there would have been you know what to pay. But now you're you, you know you you have that opportunity and and you're allowed to do that and express yourself. They may not like it, but they don't come down on you the way they used to because they don't have the same leverage. And what he said seems like it had an effect, and it worked all. And he played really well, so it seems like well, guess what? He must know what he's talking about, and you guys don't. So he has swung momentum totally into his corner for Bears fans and for people watching. So, yeah, let's, let's see what happens the rest of the season, see where we go from here. But I have to say, if you are a Washington fan today, you're asking yourselves a lot of questions. You just came from really essentially beating Philadelphia on the road because you didn't go for two at the end of the game when you tied it and maybe possibly won it there to losing at home against the worst team in the league who was in disarray and seemed like they were about to splinter at the seams. Yeah, that was not a good, not a good one yesterday for the, for the Washington commanders at all. No, no, it wasn't. And I do want to, I do want to pick up on what, what you're saying there, but back to fields for, for a second. What do you think it does to a team like the bears? Like, I don't think this is going to cause them to go on some run and all of a sudden we're throwing yeah. them right there with the Eagles and the 49ers. But I can only imagine what it's like to be in a room and you've got this young quarterback, you know, he has all the pedigree. He has the physical talent. You can see it there and you're, probably questioning what exactly do we have here? And it's far from a Zach Wilson situation, but I can only imagine the boost that that provides to that locker room to see that guy have that game. And more importantly, for it to actually result in a win, as opposed to just the great stat lines he's put up in the past. Like how does that galvanize the room? I think that's a great point. I'm glad you used the word galvanize because as you were laying that case out, that's the first word that popped in my head. It's galvanizing for the team. I don't know how great it is for the coaching staff, truthfully. Mm. I think it's great for the team because now the team is like, well, our quarterback said, if you guys just leave me the heck alone a little bit and just let me play, (laughs) I think things will work out. And guess what? He was right. Hey, do you guys really know what you're doing over there? So hopefully everyone gets involved with it. But the best part is they look at their quarterback and go, okay, we're we're in pretty good shape here. And I love how you said this is not a jet situation. Because the Jets situation for 2023 has to play out, right? We have to see where they go with Zach Wilson and where the locker room goes with him. But in Chicago, after last night, I don't think they have any question that they like their quarterback and they like him as their leader because of what he did. Speaking up, saying what he needed to say, telling everyone, hey, if you just coach me a certain way, I think I'll give you a better performance. And boy, did he ever. Yeah, 30 starts in his career for for Justin Fields, 25 for Zach Wilson. And, and I mean, Jets fans are looking for any bit of positive. Uh, and I, I guess the second half against the Chiefs would would, would provide that. It, it, it raises an interesting question, though, uh, Charles, is, like, when do you know? Like, how, how, how large does the sample have to be with a young quarterback to say definitively you're one thing or another, you're a bust, or, or you're a capable quarterback? Because it, it feels like, some young quarterbacks in recent vintage, we've made some early calls on them that have been proven incorrect over the years. Yeah, I think it still takes some time. And because of twists and turns, sometimes the clock has to start over. Chicago, the clock started over when Justin Fields had his press conference last week, didn't it? Kind of kind of like, oh, okay. Um, why don't you try it this way and then let's see how we do. Well, so far the clock's ticking in his favor. 
Zach Wilson had been the starter right from the beginning, you know, and, and guess what? It didn't go as well as people wanted, and then it veered towards absolute disaster. Here comes Aaron Rodgers. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, oh, you're back in the lineup? Oh, we got to worry again. You're right. The second half was a big help. I do say pump the brakes a little. The bar was low. But what I liked about it is something I think we talked about. You can't have Zach Wilson as your quarterback and keep training wheels on him. That wasn't why you drafted him. You drafted him to make those plays, those extras, out of the pocket, off schedule, all those things. He played with a little more confidence as the game went on. You're not going to beat the good teams playing with him with his hands in his pocket. You may get beat by the good teams if he goes out there and throws two or three picks but plays with some verve, but you have no chance if you play him rigid. So they got to kind of live with that. And to your point, how are we going to find out? Well, guess what? We got to let it play out again. The Bears got to let it play out because they still have a question mark about who's going to be their coach next year. I think the GM is safe. The head coach is going to be an interesting deal. That's his first win in 15 games. For the Jets, I don't think Salah's truly in trouble. Rodgers' injury in a weird way, again, changed the clock on him in the math because that wasn't the team he was supposed to coach. But, boy, if he could make Zach Wilson viable the rest of the year, That'll be huge for him and, of course, huge for Zach Wilson's career. Yeah, boy, boy, would it. And that's the thing, right? No one's asking him to turn into Aaron Rodgers. You nailed it there with the, with the term uh, viable. I think most people have the Chiefs and Bills as a pretty clear one-two in the, in the AFC. You're, you're going to see the Ravens again this weekend. You saw them last weekend. How close are they? I mean, they have the identical record. I think part of it is the what we've seen, obviously, from the Chiefs and to a slightly lesser extent, the Bills. I think that's why people are so quick to vaunt them back up there. But uh, yeah. how close to those two teams are the Ravens, do you think? I think the Ravens are closer than maybe what people give them credit for. And it'll get closer, I believe, as the health continues for them. Remember, if you look at the Ravens injury list and you see who they haven't been playing with, yet somehow they're three and one, I think you become a little more impressed and realize, oh, and a good number of these guys are going to come back. They're only going to get better. The guys who stepped in and played for them have done a really nice job. So I like where the Ravens are going. Going to learn a lot this week because obviously we saw Pittsburgh play horribly and get jumped on mm. by the Houston Texans last week. But every time you hear a coach or someone in the league, and you guys probably do this with every league we have, right? Because it's a universal thing. Somebody plays poorly, what have you. You hear them go, well, you know, we just throw that one out and move on to the next one. And, you know, it has no bearing going forward, blah, blah, blah. And after a while, we all roll our eyes like, oh, okay, here we go again, right? Well, guess what? That's what you get, especially in a league like the NFL, where it's really a one-game-a-week league, right? And they go, eh, last week has no bearing on this week, and each week you start over, and and you're like, oh, God, here we go again. Mike Tomlin, the head coach of Pittsburgh, in games where his team is getting beat by 20 points or more, I'm going to go Vin Scully here. You ready? Yeah. They're 11-2 in their next game. Wow. Love that. They get it right. They figure it out. Hmm. That's why when I watch games like that with Pittsburgh, I was like, oh, God, Pittsburgh's going down there. Yeah, not so fast with Pittsburgh. Let's wait and see. They will come out and play like crazy, and this is a true rivalry game. Like, when we talk about rivalry games, sometimes we overdo it. Not in this case. No. These two despise each other, <laughs> like, for real, okay? Like, when one of them goes to the other team, 
it takes a minute when they walk in the locker room. They they kind of get eyed at, eyed down by everyone. Okay, what's <laughs> going to be out of you, dude? That's what we have coming up on Sunday. But I, yeah, I think the Ravens are closer to what people think, and I think that Buffalo is playing better than Kansas City right now too. Yeah, you know what? The the Steelers can erase some of the the commentary around their offense, and particularly Matt Canada with a, a nice performance on Sunday. I don't know how much you guys are going to get into that on the broadcast, Charles. But like the the yeah, burner, I don't think we're going to be avoid. I don't think we're going to be avoiding it. <laughs> it. It feels like a potential a real firestorm is brewing there in, in Pittsburgh. What do you make of it? Do you, do you buy the the potential accusation that Matt Canada has a burner Twitter account that he's 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 disparaging other members? of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh my God. That one, that one was, that, that's wild, right? I have to just tell you straight off the top. I have a hard time buying that one out of any adult in those positions that the idea that, that someone is doing that. And every time I say, oh, there's no way that is happening. Kevin Durant happens, right? <laughs> you know? Yep. So you're like, Oh, I, I don't believe it with, with Matt Canada. I don't believe it. I don't believe he has the time, the inclination, the energy. He's got too much work to do right there. It's like in the movie Miracle when, when Michael Ruzioni, the guy playing a Ruzioni, kept missing the goal on this special play he had for him. And, and, and Herb Brooks was like, we designed this play for you, Rizzo. And he's like, don't you worry about everybody else. You got enough to worry about right there where you are. I think that's where Matt Canada is. <laughs> worry about he's got enough to worry about with what everything he has going on. And he's had great success at different places before. I'm very surprised that they're stuck in the spot that they're in right now. Yeah, I am I am as well. I mean, you you see the Steelers and it just feels like it's a this is just the least Steelersy thing, right? Like they are the model franchise. Oh. There's almost never any noise. If it is, it's squashed out immediately. So yeah, very uh very interesting to to see them there. Uh I wanted to I wanted to look at and I can't believe this sentence is about to come out of my mouth, but I want to look at the AFC South with you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the kind of, are you sitting down? Are you okay? I am. I am. Okay. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence, you know, he is, he was the, you know, the greatest quarterback prospect that came along until the next one. He was one of those guys supposed to be the one of one and not to say he has been disappointing in the NFL, but just with how far ahead of trajectory he is of the other teams in the, in that division, you know, Titans are a little bit different than the Colts and the, and the Texans there, but is it not a little disappointing that he and the Jags haven't grabbed a hold of that division now with all the pedigree and all the potential he came in with? Yes and no, because we saw them against Kansas City week two, and they had multiple opportunities to grab that game and take it, and they didn't. And he was part of that reason, missing throws. He missed his way to Zay Jones in the, in the end zone wide open. And other plays give Kansas City credit for good defense, but at the same time, they never rang the bell the way they needed to. Right? They kept getting inside the 20, came out of it with field goals, or didn't get it at all. Killer, right? Game was there to be taken. At home, they didn't seize it. A little bit disappointing. Second half of last year, he was Trevor Lawrence you described. That's why you went and drafted him. This week is huge. This is what I call that sneaky good football game that people don't, you know, you're not going to talk about it enough because they're playing in London and they're kicking off at 930 in the morning. Mm -hmm. The Bills, this is huge for them because Tennessee has shown a lot of grit and fight at 2-2. off the deck, and now they're not going to be an easy out. 
Tell me if you tell me if I'm wrong. Indianapolis is surprising with how they played early. Very, sure. yeah. Okay, I mean, no, it's no Jonathan Taylor, rookie quarterback that we didn't know if he could be accurate and throw. They have played a lot better than what people expected. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And by the way, did you think you'd even include Houston in the sentence? And they've won their last two, including jumping on Pittsburgh last week. So all of a sudden, this this division is very competitive. And maybe the quarterback we're all keeping an eye on wears number seven he plays in Houston, and that's C.J. Stroud. Yeah. So that's where it gets interesting for you. You're right. You didn't expect to have this kind of conversation. In a sense, many people thought Jacksonville would run away with it. I didn't think they would run away with it, but I thought they should have been the favorite and still are. Mm -hmm. And they have a chance to make a major statement this week against maybe the best defense in the league. Uh, less draft pedigree with Brock Purdy, by which I mean you couldn't have less because he was Mr. Irrelevant. Right. Uh, he's the quarterback of, yeah. of one of the two uh, remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. Sunday Nighters Beauty. It's a playoff rematch between the Cowboys and Niners in San Francisco. And Kyle Shanahan got his back up because he was asked about Brock Purdy being a system quarterback. And, and, <laughs> and he said that's absolutely incorrect. He would succeed anywhere else. Um, do you believe that? Not to this level, no, I don't. I don't believe that about any quarterback. I think a lot of that is – I'm totally wish Kyle Shanahan getting his back up in the system quarterback thing because what you're doing is saying Brock Purdy is just simply out there, and that's not true. He has made a lot of great plays, and he continues to get better and better as a quarterback. He's a very good player. But do you, have extend to, do you succeed to the extent we're talking about anywhere else? The answer is no because you're not being coached the same. Right, what you're asked to be run isn't the same. The people around you aren't the same. A lot of factors go into it. We've always talked about it. There have been a lot of quarterbacks that have ended up their careers that we've called bus. They have had they gone to another team, another coaching staff, another surrounding cast, whatever, would have had excellent careers. Mm-hmm. You think Joey Harrington doesn't wake up in the middle of the night and say, you know, if I'd only gone to. Right. You think mm-hmm. Tim Couch didn't go, why did I go to the expansion team in Cleveland? And get the heck beat out of me. What if I'd gone to see their guys? I guarantee you, they watch ball and they see Brock Purdy and they gnash their teeth. Like, that could have been me. <laughs> right. Because, because San Francisco was loaded, really well coached quarterback friendly, but you still have to go perform. That's why I think Cal Shanahan got his back up. You have to go perform. And mm-hmm. Brock Purdy has done that. And here's my quick example. We had Cleveland last week, right? Deshaun Watson gets hurt, can't play. Dorian Thompson-Robinson comes in. Look at the stat line. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 50 games in college, 48 starts. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy was whatever number of games, college, 46 starts or whatever it was, right? So right off the top, you're saying, okay, experienced kid. Here's Brock Purdy, pedigree similar, you know, school, blah, blah, blah. Brock Purdy has never had a game like that. Okay, he's played well right from the beginning and gotten better. I'm not saying Dorian Thompson-Robinson won't be an excellent pro quarterback, but could there have been a worse debut? So just because you come out with similar lines or or it's a similar form doesn't mean that everyone's going to make it work. I think that's where Kyle Shanahan was going with that. But, yeah, would he have been great everywhere? The answer is no. It doesn't work that way. You have to have all the factors be in place. And then you have to elevate your game amongst them. And Brock Purdy has done every bit of that. Hey, Joey Harrington is still performing, but it's not as an NFL quarterback. He's tickling the ivories. He's a great pianist. He is a spectacular musician, apparently. Hey, 
And by the way, I've seen him. Yeah? Yeah, I have. Joey at one point was doing um, – he was an analyst for, uh, for, for college football. And I got to know him a little bit during that time and got to see the talents on display. And believe me, I was like, are you kidding me? And at the time I was, at the time I was really upset because I was like, oh, not only are you good enough to be one of the right. top picks in the NFL draft, make money, you're good enough to do this too. And I can barely write my name legibly. I, mean, I, was, I, was, I, was, I have to admit my jealousy was, was really on high because he's got it all and I'm really happy for him. He's a good dude. Yeah, no, I, I would have felt the same way. Charles, uh, appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah, you guys do the same. Take care of yourself. All right. There's Charles Davis, NFL Network, and the NFL on CBS. This insider was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. There's something about the piano in mm-hmm. particular that's like more impressive than any other instrument you could play. Well, it's amazing how different that story is if you if Charles Davis was like. And then he started playing Wonderwall on his guitar. Yeah. It's like, like that's, he sucks. Yeah, He's the worst. <laughs> and also, I would be trying to walk away, like, yeah. on his acoustic guitar. Oh, my oh, God. No, oh, my no, God. No. Please, God, stop. <laughs> but, yeah, the piano, it's so classy. Right. I, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was a, I don't know, it was a basketball player or a hockey player or somebody. The team was at the hotel, and there was just a piano in the lobby. And mm-hmm. walking through, yeah. Let me start playing. Dude, like, there's nothing more so impressive than yeah. that. Like I can play the theme to Cheers oh, on the piano, you. like in a in a pretty rudimentary feels, fashion. That feels oddly on brand for you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, an old timey. I mean, sitcom. Sitcom. That's, that's even before my time. Yeah. Really? But like I have seen a lot of episodes. Feels a little up. on brand for you. When I was taking piano lessons, I played that song at one of my recitals. So did, yeah, did yeah. you get a rousing ovation? <laughs> of course, buddy. But yeah, it's one Mike of the was fired up. Yeah, I, I have to play it at least a couple of times every year because it's some. It's like you somehow gotta, it's just lodged in, in the brains, and I I, I don't want it to go. I away. would even like to just be able to do the like dun 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 dun, dun like the chopsticks thing oh, or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, I, I would like to that. do. Uh, not enough for you to teach me, <laughs> honestly. If that offer came yeah. from anyone else, if Jeff Azaparty, our producer, was like, I could teach you, I say that's great. Yeah, you, I don't know. I don't like the idea of you teaching me something. I don't know. Um. Magic Johnson, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say other phone controversies that popped into my head while we were discussing. It's like Pablo Sandoval is the classic of the genre of liking pictures on Instagram yeah, while so he good. was in a game. So uh, good. We also had a Blue Jays hitting coach uh, tweeting some stuff like four minutes before a game. That's also uh, good. Th- this year, uh, the Brian Colangelo uh, burner burner accounts and yeah, bur- yeah. everything there. So, yeah, just get a just new slant. A lot of good. A lot of good burner Twitter accounts in uh, in history, and of course Kevin Durant, like the master of the genre. Yeah, he's uh, patient zero. <laughs> Speaking of great Twitter accounts, I mean, who doesn't follow at Magic Johnson? I I get it from others, but a lot of people follow him. Yeah, yeah, you don't follow him? I'm good. I, <laughs> I mean, you must get retweeted into your time. Oh yeah. Oh no, believe me, I can, He's broken, contain. He's he, there. <laughs> he's. One of the new part owners of the Washington Commanders was at the game yesterday uh, with this insight into uh, the defeat at the hands of the Chicago Bears. Tonight, the Commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down 27-3 heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing 40 
to 20. Does he own every... Doesn't he also own the yeah, Dodgers? Yeah, that's right. He owns all the things. Movie theaters? Uh, a lot of Starbucks, I believe. Yeah. Okay. It feels like a really good investment, I got to be honest. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's really smart with his money, buying yeah. things that make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's pretty smart of him. I would do. I would do the same. All right. Time now for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. So we mentioned that there's not a lot of... Um, Really high-level talent available in free agency. There's one guy that that rises above the rest of them, and that's Shohei Otani. Despite the fact that he's unlikely to pitch at all next season, he's going to hit, apparently, day one. Okay. As he likely, I, I, I think it's safe to say, departs the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, considering they, like, cleaned out his locker weeks before the end of the regular season. That was tough. I, I, you and I actually never talked about that. What? The them trying did you did any part of you commend them for trying to push in and keep him and prove they care did any part of you commend them for that i guess i mean it was stupid it was it was it was always going to end up in the fashion that it did actually it kind of played out perfectly for them that they were so bad so immediately after the trade deadline and acquiring pieces that they were able to ship some of those guys out via waivers so, so kudos to the Angels, the the most embarrassing franchise in Major League Baseball, which is saying something. So, we're we're all only barely dipping our toes into the the hot stove mm-hmm. off season of Major League Baseball outside of the Toronto Blue Jays, but uh, surrounding one of the most hotly contested free agent pursuits in the history of baseball. John Heyman with this for the New York Post, Shohei Otani, and the Red Sox are starting to be linked more and more. One executive with an interested team said he believes they are a real threat. Otani has a big new deal with New Balance out of Boston. So there's an obvious correlation there between a a company that's given them a whole lot of money and their headquarters being Mm -hmm. based in Massachusetts. There's also, you know, a Red Sox team that's acquired some young talent through drafting and and cutting payroll the last couple of years and then didn't want to do that anymore. So they fired the Mm -hmm. GM and Heimblum and... You know, they are the Red Sox. Eventually, they're going to return to spending, you would think. This would be a nice splash um, to go out and get a, a Shohei Otani. There's a lot that makes sense here, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot that doesn't make sense here because everything we've ever heard about Shohei Otani is that he very much enjoys being on the West Coast, being uh, in the Pacific time zone, and and I guess the proximity to, to Asia. Uh, this is also indicating to me... So it's indicating two things to me. Mm. Like, the one thing... It indicates, first and foremost, it's the thing I started this conversation with, is that the Red Sox and the Yankees, they will be heard from again. It's yes. not like, oh, we're starting a process of a decade, decade and a half, where not those guys go that way. Are, are just like wandering in the wilderness. Not going to happen. Probably unlikely. And two, how long does it take until we hear our first, like more definitive, because I know it's like on the periphery, we've heard like the Blue Jays could go after Shohei Otani. And I guarantee you, they will have conversations yep. with his representation. How long until we get our first real definitive, hey, the Blue Jays are talking a Shohei Otani rumor? Um, I think <laughs> depending on how this media availability goes, there is no there's no time too soon. <laughs> Honestly, if you are looking for the shiniest of objects to wave, to say, do not look at everything that just happened. Do not look at the comp because we we can sit here and try to picture the best version of what the front office will say when they inevitably speak, but we've heard these guys speak before. We know mm-hmm. it's going to be to a certain 
extent gobbledygook that just frustrates people. There's going to be some element of that. Maybe they're a little more forthright than they've been in the past, but, you know, what's the old line? Uh, future performance, the best indicator is past performance. This is what these guys do. There's a lot of wishy-washiness when they speak. If it, if it is not per- or received well, the best thing they can do mm. is immediately float that. And this isn't an NBA tampering thing, and I don't actually think the report's going to come out on Thanksgiving Monday. But you can put out the report. You can put out the story. You could tell people you're going to be aggressive. The problem with that, though, is that, and this is why I've wondered where the stuff is coming from with Shohei and Boston, is that I don't know that it's coming from the Red Sox because if you're the Red Sox and you don't get him, all you've done is set yourself up for a failure. Now, the Blue Jays have a bit of the built-in insurance of, like, it's Canada, no one wants to come here, yada, yada, yada. But that's not true in in recent vintage. I mean, they they won the bidding for Chris Bassett. They won the bidding for Kevin Gossman before that. They won the the bidding for George Springer. Did they have to to offer top dollar? But, yeah, that's usually the case in free agency. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that it does set the fan base up to be disappointed and the Blue Jays, I mean, before they started landing those players that I just mentioned, had been involved in rumor after rumor after rumor about, you know, potential pending free the, agents. The and, blue flu. And and also, they've been mentioned in relation to, to Asian players. Yep. Like, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, like when, when players come over from Japan and they're posted, the Blue Jays, and it's because of the deep pockets, it's because there's, sure. there's, a, there's a path that you could see to... Rogers outlaying whatever it takes to get whoever they want, mm-hmm. paying into the luxury tax for the first time in franchise history this year. Yeah, I, I I think we'll hear some rumors surrounding Shohei when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world. I would say that I would peg their chances of landing Shohei. I mean, at, at, I know it was uh, Jim Bowden that, that ranked them in the top 10 as far as potential Shohei destinations. I would rank them in the, the bottom 10, honestly. Well, they can be ranked anywhere in the top 10 they want, but if it's not like one or two, it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. I think we're all going to do this dance and there's going to be the Red Sox story that gets floated. And at some point in time, whether it's true or not, there's going to be the Yankees story that gets floated. And we all know about Cohen's pockets. People are going to link him to Shohei whether or not there's any smoke to be had there. But I think that he has been pretty not that he speaks a ton but all that we know about him he's been pretty forthright mm-hmm. he wants to play over there and this is me amending this part of it and i know some people roll their eyes at it he don't want the smoke he does not want to play in a market that matters mm. i like you i'm not saying it doesn't matter to be a dodger but you cannot tell me it's mm. the same as being in a northeast city where we sit here screaming mad about sports all the time. The you other just, thing out of that report, too, is that he doesn't like pitching at Yankee Stadium. Oh, okay. So maybe don't sign up to do that five times a year. Also, right. I know we all think he's going to come back and Tommy John has changed and everything. How many times can we do this with him no. as a pitcher? And I know it's going to be an incentive-laden deal and all that, but the team that's buying him needs to buy him as exclusively a hitter. And then I'm not saying it's gravy, but that's kind of how you have to look at him. The pitcher, I think, cause you're not going to see that guy for at least a year, maybe close to two. And he's going to be what? 30 deep into his thirties. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he, he's not a spring chicken. No, he's not. And there's a, you're already hearing some people talking about, Hey, when he comes back, maybe he'll be a reliever. Wouldn't that be cool to have him as your closer coming into games at the end of the game to, to, to clean it up. I just want and, to say way less cool just for the record. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about ways to protect his arm physically. 
Um, which I, I guess I understand for a guy that's undergoing his second Tommy John surgery. But yeah, th there's certainly there's risk with any free agent, but the amount that it's going to cost to go get Shohei Otani, partly because of the player that he is, but partly like the landscape of free agency where it's like him. And then it's like Cody Bellinger. And it's like <laughs> Matt Chapman is like legitimately mm -hmm. in the top five of, avail of available <laughs> free agents this off season. It's uh, slim pickings out there. Yes, it is. And the Shohei, it, it's brutal that he had the injury that he did and he wasn't the crown jewel of it that he was supposed to be. It is still going to be fascinating to watch it play out. And now that we've talked around it a little more, I do think these stories are all coming out of his camp, but just to drive up price mm -hmm. and interest because of course, you as a free agent, whoever your agent is, is not doing their job if they do not, whether they're involved or not, try mm -hmm. to make it appear as though the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, the big spenders in baseball, you have to make it appear as though they're involved and not that somebody's going to, you know, backdoor this and steal Shohei for nothing, but you need there to be another big bidder for you to really, really get your price. So I just think that's what's happening here. Yep. Yeah, that happens with all free agents. And usually Blue Jays are part of an agent's ploy to, to drive that price up. Oh, speaking of agents, there were a couple other things I, I wanted to talk about. The thing about the New Balance, although I think it's it's just poppycock personally, mm. I was I was I was reading some stuff about Dame Lillard and what's gonna change for him going from Milwaukee to Portland. The one thing that was not nothing, and I don't think it'll matter here, was though Dame Lillard got a lot of special treatment from Adidas because of the player he is, but because he Portland, that's where Adidas headquarters is. So it's not nothing. Be like the idea of him getting his signature shoe and look, Shohei is going to get all that stuff and he's going to get the special treatment from New Balance. But it's not nothing to be in the backyard of the corporate headquarters. But I also don't think it'll it'll tip things one way or another at all. Yeah, that's not like uh, an, an ancillary income that no. he's getting from New Balance. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're talking about like, yeah, you think that the number's large that he's going to receive from a Major League Baseball team? Mm-hmm. In free agency, it's going to pale in comparison to what he will get from New Balance well beyond when his playing days are over. Like, and, that's not yeah. a nothing. I oh, mean, remember the lifetime the, the, the contract stuff. Yeah. yeah, like the Kawhi conversation around the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the New Balance had a big time say in, in what he did with the rest of his career. For sure, for sure they did. Uh, and then agents, we were talking about it. Heyman had this report. He also yesterday had the report that uh, your boy, yeah, Pete Alonzo, going with Boris for his... Uh, his last year, this deal, and into free agency next year. I don't know that that really changes anything because shocker, Pete Alonso is going to ask for and probably get a lot of money. Yeah. But you know, just with the with you not necessarily linking them, but throwing out the possibility, I think it only helps the Blue Jays that they have now got rid of this blue flu, the Ryu deal, all yeah. that stuff. Like it, it uh, I thought that was interesting that he switched to Boris there. Yeah, I don't know if it indicates necessarily that he won't resign with the Mets. I think what it indicates is he's going to free agency. You won't be able to yep. lock him up before That's that happens. And Anyways, because that like I shouldn't say it never happens because Boris has done it. He did it with primarily pitchers because you know because Soto never signed the deal, right? There was some talk that he was going to no, get no, extended, he but he never signed. No, no, right? no. He's, he, Juan Soto's also a pending free agent at the conclusion of next season. And yeah, you want to talk, <laughs> buddy? Do I like the trade for Pete Alonso giving up Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? I do. Do I think that it it probably means that you're losing Pete Alonso after one year instead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. after two? Because I don't think they're mm -hmm. going to resign Vladimir Guerrero Jr. either. Yeah, I do. And you can compete for his services. Do I think that's a great idea to give Pete Alonso what he's going to earn in free agency as a 30-year-old slugging first baseman? Maybe not necessarily. 
if you trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Juan Soto, and uh, I mean, in that trade, you give up ancillary pieces because Soto's a better player than Pete Alonso, and mm-hmm. he's also 20 freaking the, the four. Age is an absurd. He's 20 freaking four. Yeah. If you, I mean, I, I, I also proposed this trade in the middle of the season. Ben Nicholson Smith shot me down. He said, oh, the Blue Jays never do it. They value Vlad too much. I, I, to mm-hmm. me, that's insane. If the Blue Jays side of that thing, it says no to a, a Vlad for Juan Soto deal. If you pull that the trigger on that, like as much as I'd, I'd even be hesitant to give the his Shohei his 50 million over whatever, yeah. seven years. Give Juan Soto whatever he wants. I give Juan Soto five hundred million over over ten or or so years at twenty four years old, being a left handed bat, mm-hmm. being as consistent as he is, bringing the on base, being bringing the slug. Yep. To, I I I think you're you're if you're if you got a couple of trades uh, in the hopper, one is for Pete Alonso for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The other is for Juan Soto. It's a new brainer that it's Juan Soto, and I'm doing everything within my power to to sign him up to extension. I, I understand that this is very difficult. You turn mm-hmm. down north of four hundred million dollars <laughs> from the Washington Nationals. Also very aware of that. That guy's worth it. Yeah, he is super, super worth it. And yeah, there's it's like you want to talk about a no-brainer. Even whoever's brain it was that concocted that game two plan would agree that this is the yeah. right idea. Like that's how big of a no-brainer it is. Oh, and also uh, just on the Juan Soto of it all, you know, a guy who just um just just you know has actually like won a World Series and hit in playoff games. Yeah, that, that helps too. No, he's got a pedigree. He's a leader. Um, apparently too much of a leader in in San Diego where they they they've got some some infighting. It feels like in that clubhouse. Uh, we'll see what happens to him. Uh, Kevin Barker described it to me as too many alpha dogs barking mm. around there. And Ooh. then and then I made the quip of like, just like Blair and Barker, just a couple of alpha <laughs> dogs. And then I forget what it was, but he just lambasted into Jeff and it was great. Yeah, that is amusing. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> no real seg. You know what else is amusing? I was thinking that. Yeah, sports. We'll talk more sports <laughs> next. Uh, no. <laughs> We'll we'll, uh, take a deeper dive into uh, the weekend's football and uh, week five of the NFL season as we bring you an extended edition of the Wake and Rake as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Toronto Blue Jays after the top of the hour and uh, some offseason machinations that I, I'm, I'm curious about when it comes to the Blue Jays. Well, let's do the wake and rake. Let's. Okay. We got a, a full slate of football. We got the Blue Jays in our rear view mirror. Um, we got money to make. We got another London game, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice that that's an intriguing AFC matchup. Jags and bills. I think it's maybe we should start there. Yeah, let's. Um, because this is a Bills team that looks like the best, if if not the best, second best in the mm-hmm. AFC behind the Chiefs. But their wins have been more impressive yep. than the Chiefs, who just barely skated by with a victory over the Jets. Although the Bills lost to the Jets Week One, so how, how can I consider that? Yeah, 
um, more impressive than what the Bills have done. That being said, they had the marquee matchup of the year so far last week against their division rivals, mm-hmm. the Dolphins, who just put up 70 yep. on the Broncos, and they destroyed them. That was never a football game. They go across the pond, and Bills fans get to drink early. They, they put in oh, a, yeah. a new ordinance. Uh, allowing them to 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 drink. Uh, I think Governor starting, Kathy yeah, put it yeah, in at, at eight o'clock. Games at nine thirty Eastern time to play Jags team that's been sitting and waiting, already acclimatized themselves to fat and happy. What way do you go? Yeah, to 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 life in in London after taking care of the Falcons last week. The line is is the Bills as the home team. I guess the de facto home team, despite the fact that the Jags are London's team, yes. right? And Shad sure. Khan, like owns Fulham, yes, the owner yes. of the Jags. But the Bills are the de facto home team. They are five and a half point favorites. As impressive as the Bills have been, and they were hella impressive last week. Mm-hmm. And it is as as good as the Jags were expected to be in the AFC. This feels like a hey, we had our not our Super Bowl, but like we got up for that game yep. last week. We're going across the pond, playing at nine thirty in the morning against a team who's. Bodies have already acclimatized to 930. It's tough for me to lay the points with the Bills. It is tough, and because it's the wake and rake, I will give you my pick. I am also with you. I'm going to take the Jags, take the points. Not Jags on the money line, but I'm going to take them to cover there. Also, Trey White, uh, That all we talked about this year was that he was back, and now he's gone. What a a big blow that's going to be for them. I'm not saying they can't recover. I don't think they'll immediately recover in a week. But regarding the time of this game, mm-hmm. and you know I love a love a good gripe, love a good complaint. I'm of two minds. On one hand, it's great. It's a standalone game. This should be a good one. On the other hand, it's not really football time at 930. I like that game to be a, like, keep an eye on it mm, game. You not like that a to be my, a, a that, worse matchup. Yeah, that feels like a Sunday nighter. Yeah. That game right there. The, sun, the actual Sunday nighter is actually No, no, the Sunday nighter is way better, so I would not replace it with this. Yeah. But I'm just saying. That's you too t- good a game. That's way too good a game. That game should be, it wouldn't be because it's an AFC game, but that game should be in the 425 slot when we only have three games and somehow none of them are ever good. That's what that game should be. So that's my just complaint personally about that. Cannot have good games at 930. If the people of London want football, mm. let them eat their gruel, okay? And I know that you tried to do that with the Jags, but they're supposed to allegedly be good. So I just I just like to just... They haven't been good, though. I know. I, know. I would just like and, to... And they haven't been entertaining either. No, no, exactly. It's the worst case scenario. But yeah. I would just like to be on record with my gripe that that is too good of a game for the people of London. I don't I don't disagree. Okay. I, I will say... That there's there's an extreme to the other direction. Like I don't want I don't want Commanders Bears there either, right? Like yeah, that, that's... you want to like football. That's what it looks like sometimes, pal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, as good as the the Bills look, it's hard not to think about a letdown again against a team that's a little bit uh, better prepared uh, for for that time slot. Being in London for uh, a week, laying in wait. The other, you know, if you're talking about narratives headed into a football game this mm. Sunday. There's a nice little juicy one in Denver, uh, despite the fact that these are two teams that are not going to be in the postseason, the Broncos and the Jets. Nathaniel Hackett, revenge game Mm. against Sean Payton after Sean Payton called his performance in Denver last year the worst coaching performance in NFL history. He proceeded to to go... 0-3 0-3 before coming up with a, a victory last week against uh, a Bears team that they trailed by like 20 points against. Yeah. But yeah, the Broncos defense is atrocious. If ever there was like uh, Zach Wilson's going to build off the the second half uh, against the the Chiefs. And by the way, the, the Jets on the road um, are getting two and a half points. The Broncos are favored in a football game despite giving up 70 points this season. Yeah. 
I to me that's it's not quite free money because it is still the Jets. It is still Zach Wilson. But holy cow, that that screams Jets to me. Forget Jets cover. I like Jets win there outright. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how the Broncos. I don't care if the game's played on Mars and that's where they live as well. They should not be. They should not be favored anywhere. Anywhere. I know we won't get it, but what would you give for the we we we're gonna get the Sean Payton Robert Sala handshake. Oh, yeah. What would you give for the Nate Hackett, Sean Payton? Dude, one? I, I, a lot. Because, <laughs> you know, like Sean Payton, you know, none of these guys get to a place without the level of ego and yes. understanding that they're great, yada, yada, yada. He's got it in spades. Mm-hmm. And the idea of him having some comeuppance, oh, boy, I'd yeah, love to watch it personally. And I don't even feel bad about Sean Payton. I got no ill will one way or another. It's nah. just somebody that arrogant nah. happen to eat it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hubris is tough, and, and and I think getting a 70-burger th- thrown on you is 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 part of that comeuppance. And pe- What'd be worse, 70 to the Dolphins or 50 to Nate Hackett? Dude, <laughs> I mean, 30 to Honestly. Nate Hackett. And, and say what you will about his job in Denver, and it's like, yeah, obviously what Sean Payton said is maybe an extreme. Well, it's still probably true. <laughs> it's close to true, and I, I don't know what you would call his job then in Denver this year, but, like, the players do. No, that's not his fault, though. No, of course not. No, I mean, the Broncos were at least a top 10 defense last it's, year, and they're not even that this year. No. And I guess Russell Wilson looks passable. But, yeah, uh, the players seem to love Nathaniel Hackett, right? Like, I don't know. Well, one of those players is Aaron Rodgers, yeah. who is like, okay. It's like the whole team's dad is like, I love this guy. So, yeah, kind of easy. But. Yeah, it seems like a, 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 a game that the players might get up for. Just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, so I mentioned the Sunday Nighters is a beauty. Oh. Niners hosting the Cowboys, and it's uh, obviously San Francisco being an undefeated 4-0, minus 3.5 points. I'm laying the points here. Like at last check, these two teams played in the postseason, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna believe it. Dak Prescott had a couple of interceptions. Yeah, shot, I know, floored. And I know he's, I guess, been a little better taking care of the football, and and the Cowboys bounced back nicely against mm-hmm. a very mediocre at best Patriots team last week. But no, nah, this is a Niners team that was supposed to be one of the best teams in football, one of the best teams in the NFC, and and. Brock Purdy may be partly a Shanahan creation, but he's doing everything asked to him. Like I, 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 and I know, you know, Dallas was was put into that same type of category as the Niners and the Eagles in the NFC before the the stubbing of the toe against Arizona, and especially on the strength of that defense. But nah, I, it just it feels like the Niners take care of business this season. I want to talk myself into the Cowboys defense being good enough to stay in this game, but the 49ers offense is better than the Cardinals and the Cardinals offense isn't as putrid as we all thought it was going to be, but there's still a large gulf between what that is and the system quarterback Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan's machine there. So yeah, I take the, I take the Niners to cover. I think they're going to win. I bet uh, whatever the under is going to be in this game, it looks like 45 and or 45, just flat should probably bet the under there as well. I can't see a ton of points being scored in this one. And lastly, we brought this up with Charles Davis, uh, Kyle Shanahan, better man than me, because I'd be screaming from the rooftops, a yeah system quarterback. Yeah, look at that bum. <laughs> but, you know, he's got to build up confidence and all those things. Yeah, look what I did. This Honest, guy how was Mr. You, Irrelevant. How do you not sit there? Yeah. At, like, better again, better man than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and less arrogant than the person he looks exactly like, Kendall Roy. I, I got one more, and this is uh, my lead, my lead paint lock of the week. Oh. It, it, I mean, how this big is, it is. Um, 
I, I this number makes no sense. If you watch the two football teams, mm. the wrong team is favored here. The Texans are underdogs going to Atlanta to play the Falcons, despite the fact that the CJ Stroud looks like the rookie of the year and mm-hmm. looks like a potential franchise quarterback. And it's outside of him. They have real, real pieces in Houston with that Texans team. Yep. And Desmond Ritter is, is a trash bag. The, the, the Texans are one and a half point underdogs in Atlanta. I, I don't see those two football teams as comparable. Like Houston is, is a real threat to win the AFC set. Like you meant, that's an interesting division. And part of it is the Trevor Lawrence thing and making the playoffs for the first time last year. But I, I think part of it and, and the, the further along we get in the CJ Stroud thing is that Texans team and how exciting they are. Yeah, they're super exciting. And sometimes we overrate coaches too much as well. But everything you hear about D'Amico Ryans and the job he he's done there is that there's just so much buy-in. He was such a big part of what San Francisco was doing before and the defense there. So yeah, you really, really like it. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't see how that line should just be flipped, quite, quite honestly. All right, when we come back, Maple Leafs have one more preseason game tomorrow. Uh, it's a game in which Fraser Minton is going to play again. He might be one of the only regulars that's going to get into this game in Detroit against the Red Wings. Then the season starts for real on Wednesday. Uh, we'll get into the Fraser Minton, William Nylander of it all. Also, is this the offseason where the serious conversations surround the Toronto Blue Jays and Bo Bichette and a potential extension? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.